Hi, it's Kate Brownfield from ADHDKidsCanThrive.com. My guest today is Holly Blank Moses, a licensed psychological associate, a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and an ADHD certified clinical services provider with over 23 years of experience in ADHD, autism, and anxiety. She is also a mother of two neurodivergent boys. Today, we're going to focus our conversation around supporting parents of ADHD kids and the challenging behavior that will arise either at home or at school or both. Please enjoy our conversation. All right, Holly. Hi. Thank you for joining me today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to speak with you and, you know, help your lovely listeners. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so today we're going to talk about ADHD and how that can lead to challenging behavior. And you're going to help us give us some tools to help when that becomes an issue. Yeah. Okay, so let's start from the top. Like, what is it about ADHD that can make, in this case, kids have challenging behavior? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Excellent question that has a bunch of different parts to it. So when we think about behavior, really what we're looking at is our just kind of these expectations, right? We we feel like things should go a certain way. Kids should act in a certain way. But that's where we get confused because kids with ADHD often don't behave in the same way that other kids do. And that can really create some challenges at home and at school. So really first, understanding why those differences are there and changing our mindset towards that behavior. Usually when we think of challenging behavior, you know, lots of parents are listening today and they're thinking, I just wanted to stop and definitely understand that. But the child does too. So we have to always remember that we need to change the way we're looking at our expectations. Anytime I find that there is a frustration with a parent or a teacher or a child, it's this idea where what we want to happen isn't happening. That's where some of that stress is coming in. But we have to understand, you know, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disability. It really is. And we wouldn't get mad at another child with a disability if they were struggling. But for some reason with ADHD, a lot of us feel really stressed and we feel like we just want them to stop. But a lot of times they are truly doing the best they can. And so I'm going to give you an example. I have a diagnosis of ADHD. And I remember being little and I was in trouble all of the time. And when I was in school, I would be given an instruction and my brain was so busy. I would be thinking 10 things by the time I was even supposed to put that pencil down on the paper. And then I would ask what I was supposed to do. I'd be worried. I'd be upset. You know, I'd ask, what what do I do? Well, you should have listened the first time. So a lot of times it's that misunderstanding. And if we, again, step back and not necessarily look at it through a lens of this child is doing this on purpose or trying to drive me crazy, is what do they need? Do I need to change my 
expectation probably. Does my child need support in this moment? Do they need help developing this skill? Probably. So again, I do think it really comes back to that lens and that really makes all the difference because kids do the best they can. Parents are kind of doing the best they can. But if we don't look at it in a way where this child is struggling and they need help, number one, we fail that child every single time we fail them. Number two, it doesn't get better. The ADHD doesn't get better. The challenging behaviors can get better, right? What I'm but I'm saying the, is if um, we don't, right, and I'm sorry, I should clarify. If we don't change the way we do things as parents yes. or as educators, it's actually not going to get better. Right. It'll get worse. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You inf- I look, I, I think I've learned, like you inflame the challenging behaviors until you know, there's a reckoning that something needs to change and it's usually the environment around the child, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, I think we all have this idea. I am a parent of two neurodivergent children. We all have this idea of parenting, right? <laughs> so, you know, it, what's supposed to happen. And when we start shifting that mindset of what kind of parents do we want to be for our child, really everything sort of opens up. What do we want to be for them? And, you know, we have these kids and they have these big emotions and bodies that are so busy and brains that are so busy. And and it's a very different kind of parenting. Yeah. So we can't expect to parent them in the same way. Right. Okay. So Holly, let's kind of get into the nitty gritty a little bit. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so like if a child, if an ADHD child behavior is coming out at school in the in the classroom, the kid is getting in trouble. How? What do you recommend? How do parents like work with the school and the teacher to to help work on those behaviors that are challenging right now? What's the approach from the parents' perspective besides curling up in a ball and crying or yelling at the school, right? Because you're just so frustrated with everything. Like what's a practical approach a parent could take? Right. And so if you do need to cry, like that's okay too. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, let your let yourself yes, let it the, out. <laughs> let yourself have the experience. On uh on my YouTube channel, I do have this great like getting ready for an IEP meeting video. It's hilarious. But you know, really remembering that we all have the same goal. You know, it's it's hard to argue when you. But have the school this has the same goal as you do as a parent, right? For the exactly. child, we want this child to succeed. We do, and when you can come together and have that same goal, when you come to that table and remember that you have that same goal, it can really set up a really nice collaboration because parents know their children better than anyone on this earth. Educators have some great perspectives too. They have experience with different children, learning, teaching, the curriculum, modifications. So I do think number one is remembering as parents that we do have the same goal here. Right. And to probably, if things are bubbling, to re-meet with the teacher, start with the teacher. Yeah. So I think really reaching out and having a good communication plan. I often, 
you know, recommend that for my clients, parents is, you know, what, what does this look like for us? Can we check in? Is there maybe a template where we can email briefly back and forth? Teachers have lots of kids, so we need to remember that too. But it is important because what we usually see is we're always catching up. Like there's a problem and then we're hearing about the problem and our kid's in trouble and we're not really coming together as a team. So again, remembering we have the same goal, figuring out when to call a meeting, I think is really big. I call more meetings than probably most parents for my kids um, because a lot can happen and you don't have to meet once a year. You don't have to meet twice a year. It could be once a quarter right? if you want it to be. Another thing I think we miss so much, which is the most important part, is that we're not listening to the child. A lot of times these kids, what I find as a psychologist who's been working with kids with ADHD for 23 years now, they are not being heard and they are the ones that have the most helpful information, but they always, you know, they don't feel like they can communicate or maybe they don't know how to say it in the way that we're listening. So first we need to listen because they will tell you if you set it up in a way that allows their brain to tell you. So for instance, it could be a starter sentence. You know, if I could change one thing about this assignment, it would be, and then they can answer. Or if you have some things written down and they can circle the options, too long, too boring, too hard, they are full of the information that we need in order to support them best. But we just need to listen to them. They really need to be heard. And oftentimes I see that's not the case. Yeah, that's great advice. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, Holly, at what age do you think it's time to bring the child into the conversations with the teacher or like for the IEP and have them being a participant of their plan that's happening at school? What age do you think that's appropriate? Yeah. And I think that's a great question. When we help them communicate again, like starter sentences, circling options, writing it down if they don't feel comfortable saying it, typing, having a parent help their child write an email. There's so many different things we can do, and that really helps with that self-advocacy, identifying what they need, and then knowing that it's safe to communicate what they need, right? Those are really big things because oftentimes kids will say, this is hard. Well, do it anyway. (laughs) Everyone else. Right. That's the culture. Um, So why would they? Why would they feel safe? Why would they think people will be listening to them? And that's something I hear in my office in therapy. I tried, but they wouldn't listen. And so we have to be really careful when we say we want to hear, but they have to say, we need to listen (laughs) to what they have to say. So it depends on the child as far as what they feel comfortable in participating. So sometimes it's a parent asks them, would you like to come? And if they're not comfortable coming, because you know, nobody wants to sit here and think about, you know, all the things they're doing wrong. I don't think that's helpful for a kid to be in a meeting. Like they did this, they did this. That's not going to be good for their mental health. So it could be that they are helped by a parent write a sentence or two and they come and they read the sentence or sit next to the parent when they read the sentence and then they're all done. And then they get up and leave. You know, it could be any kind of participation like that. It could be, I'm going to circle 
it's too hard, too boring, or whatever about certain assignments. And then my parent's going to bring that information to the table during the meeting. What I've done before with my own kids is that sometimes it could be like a pre-recorded section of what they want to say because they're not comfortable coming to the meeting for whatever reason, if they're feeling anxious, or again, like a couple sentences, anything like that that helps them feel heard. If you stack up those opportunities, before you know it, they're going to be in that whole IEP meeting. Yeah, that's great advice. So with your own kids, you did little videos of them expressing themselves and then took them yeah. to the meeting? Yeah. So we've Yeah, done that's great. Yeah. So a lot of times kids, will, they want to be a part, but it really needs to be in a way that works for them. Because if we say, do you want to go? And they say no, and we stop the conversation there, we're really losing a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So like, well, what would feel better for you? Would you like to meet for me to start these starter sentences and then you finish or you can circle yes or no for different things or we can go through some of your assignments and then you can let me know and I'll circle what you think feels doable to you maybe it's only half of the math problems instead of the whole thing you know so there's so many different creative ways to do it yeah that's great okay so holly when challenging behavior is at home which is probably can be guaranteed, right? Because oh yeah, kids definitely show the challenging behavior to those they love the most. And I think that is kind of a melting point for a lot of parents, right? So let's just get into how parents can navigate these behaviors that are at home, which mm-hmm. could be around like homework, I would say probably that's one I hear the most, right? Like homework is incredibly challenging. They need more support. Parents don't have time to give the support that may be required around homework, right? So like, what's your recommendation around challenging behaviors at home for parents? Like your wisdom around that? It is hard. I think we can all agree that parents are completely stressed. When I was was an undergrad, I did my honors thesis on parenting stress and parenting children with ADHD. (laughs) So let me tell you, it is way higher than kids of neurotypical parents or kids for sure. So when we acknowledge that we're under a lot of stress, and again, we're not blaming a child for their differences. We're not blaming them for having a neurodevelopmental disability. We're not doing that. But it is stressful, and it's okay to say that. We expect these kids to regulate themselves when often, if we're being real, right, we have trouble regulating ourselves. So a really nice opportunity to model that regulation. So Parents do need to find out what works for them anytime they're going to even be able to approach a challenging behavior is, am I in a place where my body and my brain are calm enough where I'm not going to yell, Yeah, where I can think through in this moment where my kid really needs my support? Can I in this moment see through a lens of support instead of punishment? And if you can't, what do you do as a parent? If you can't, I would not address it. 
unless it's a safety problem, absolutely all safety things need addressed right then and there. However, if a parent isn't regulated enough right then, it does not make sense to address anything because then you're going to have two meltdowns, right? We have a parent meltdown and a child meltdown and we, we get nowhere really fast. Yeah. So it's okay to let it go. Absolutely. Is this really important right now? Yeah. Yeah. Is this important? Do I want my child as an adult to remember back and think of me as an unsafe person, as a critical person, as always yelling at them? And I bet because ADHD is so genetic, there are lots of parents like me listening right now who remember feeling that way growing up themselves. I know I did. And I remember getting yelled at all the time. We don't want that kind of relationship with our kids. We don't want them to think we're unsafe. So always number one is to regulate yourself. And if you can't, that's okay. Walk away until you can. Yeah, that's great advice, Holly. Okay, so here's my next question. I think that parents, especially of ADHD kids, struggle with is like parenting with consequences, right? So there's going to be challenging behavior in certain aspects of life that comes with with ADHD. And I think parents struggle with how do you give consequences to fit the behavior? And my question is, does every behavior need a consequence? I really like that question. So I think in our culture, And a lot of times when we, you know, as we're growing up, we kind of default back to what we know or what what's expected to happen. You know, and I think that makes sense. I mean, you default back to what you know, which is you have to punish the behavior, right? Like you have to punish something that you you want to happen less. You want that to happen less. So let's punish it. Right. So acknowledging that that might even be a pressure for some of the parents listening today. I know I've been in a situation, well, many times where people didn't understand ADHD and would make even comments in the grocery store. You know, they don't know how to parent. They need to punish that kid. It's amazing the pressure that parents are under. And imagine the pressure on that child and they're just a kid, Right. right? So I do think coming from the understanding that, yes, this is challenging for sure. No one's debating that. I am not going to put a bow on it. You know, it is hard. But we can't separate ADHD from the child. It literally is how they're built. So parents often tell me, you know, I, I need to punish the behavior. What's bad behavior and what's ADHD? What are they struggling with because of the ADHD? And how do I separate that out? But we can't, right? We literally cannot separate a child in half because ADHD, again, top down, bottom, that's how they're built. So, and that's understandable that people do have questions about it. You know, humans want to make sense out of things because once we make sense out of things, we can kind of figure out what to do. But you cannot separate a child from ADHD. It's who they are. So. You can't parent a ADHD child like you would a neurotypical child. You just can't. It's not going to happen. Right. They're not built the same. So we want to remember, and again, looking through this lens, imagine 
for a moment, being in this little body that you can't stop. Even if a child wants to stop, they want to stop their body, but their body can't stop or their brain can't stop. It's incredibly difficult, right? So again, I think if we look at it in that way, what is the purpose of a consequence? It's teaching, right? Essentially. Right. right. So what do I want to happen? What does my child need? They're, again, recognizing there's a gap there between what we expect and what the child is doing or how they're behaving in that moment. The bigger the gap, the more discomfort. So how do we close that gap? And really, it becomes collaborative at that point. We do know that children with ADHD, adults with ADHD, are much more likely to experience anxiety and depression, much more than neurotypical people. I believe part of that is because of this constant criticism, the constantly being in trouble, the constantly getting screamed at when they're younger because their parents are feeling so overwhelmed and they don't know what to do. And again, what a lovely thing about your podcast to have as a, as a resource. But thinking of it is why do I feel like I need to give some consequence for this? Or is it more about hey, this is what happened. Let's figure this out together. A lot of times kids get in trouble and they don't even know why. They don't even know why. They did something and they're like, you're in trouble. You shouldn't do that. I'm like, well, what did I do? Right. You know what you did. Well, not really. (laughs) And then then they're like disrespectful, right? Right. Or you're in trouble for not cleaning your room. Well, I I tell you, my room is not clean and I'm an adult because I have ADHD and that's not where I can put my energy. Right. So we have to really think about why are we set in this idea of a consequence when really it's about teaching and about supporting our child's need and really putting that relationship and teaching forward instead of these punishing consequences. A lot of times these kids, they will do the same thing over and over again, right? That's what's frustrating with for parents is I've already, you know better, I've already taught you. This is their brain and their body working faster than they want it to. And sometimes it takes them longer to learn something. But I guarantee as a therapist and someone with ADHD and a parent with two ADHD kids, I guarantee you that when you collaborate with your child and you come from a place of support rather than consequences, they are going to do better. They are going to have less anxiety and depression symptoms. When you partner with them and you teach them and you support them rather than scream at them and pile on the consequences, everything is better. Yeah. Yeah. And do they navigate, I guess, the the arc, right, of ADHD too, right, is over, you know, they mature at a different rate than a typical kid too. And over time, if they're feeling less anxious, less depressed, right? They're able to like build these skills over time. Absolutely. If you have someone who thinks, and a lot of kids will come in and say, I can't do anything right. Everything I do is wrong. Imagine feeling like that. Of course you would give up, Yeah. right? I mean, you're so depressed and so anxious And you're just, they call themselves bad and stupid and terrible. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, my next question for you, Holly, was really that power struggle that can happen between ADHD kids and teens, especially, right? And the parents with that power struggle can really get exasperated. But I think based on what you're saying, right, it's it's be more collaborative around what the problem is versus focusing on like, I need to give them a consequence to try to get them to change their behavior. Is that right? They are absorbing everything you say and do like a sponge. And they will walk that away just like all of us have when we had an adult tell us that we were bad or we were wrong. Like, it's amazing. I'll be 49 next month. And those are the things that you remember, right? I mean, kids are going to remember what you say and how you interact with them. And the collaborative approach is not only going to have them feel safe, you are really building that relationship with them, the relationship you want to have with your child. So safety and relationship is always first. These kids are also more likely to be abused. They're more vulnerable. We want them to be able to, they can tell us anything. Right. And that we're going to listen. I mean, this is very big and it needs to start early. They are more likely to be in unhealthy relationships. So we need to model those relationships, those healthy relationships early on and often and always daily for them. And then when we approach them in a collaborative way, they can feel safe telling us what they need. Yeah. And it again, it does change everything. We don't become the enemy anymore. We become somebody they can trust and depend on. Yeah. That's great advice, Holly. Okay. So as we as we wrap up, staying focused just on challenging behavior and how we can help kids with ADHD, what would be your words of wisdom for parents who are in the middle of raising a kiddo with ADHD? Or maybe more than one, right? Oh yeah. Usually more than one, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know, and I would say to number one. Be nice to yourself. I kind of remind myself this to this point daily, you know, in my own life as a parent, some pretty tough kids. And you are going to mess up. And when you do, apologize. That's also excellent modeling for that. And I'll say that too. Just this morning with my 14 year old, I said, you know what? I was feeling pretty stressed out this morning and I was a little short with you. You know, so I apologize for that. And it's amazing what a difference and we can make with things where we say, you know what, this is hard. I'm having kind of a hard time. You're having a hard time. So let's come to be- back together when we can. Yeah. You know, a little bit. And really thinking of how they're doing in their mental health. Because remember, a lot of times at school, they're criticized a lot. They are more likely to be rejected by their peers. They've got a lot of stuff going on. And we really need to be their safe people because they may not have anyone else. And if we're not their safe people, they probably don't have any safe people. So that's incredibly important. And also, you know, taking care of yourself. And and I don't mean kind of the blah, 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 self-care stuff. I'm talking about. If you need a second, just take that second. 
I'm not talking about go get a massage and all the things you probably don't have time for. (laughs) But even if it's just that one breath or stretching your arms up in the air, that's what I've been doing recently. (laughs) It only takes a second. And it's amazing, like these tiny little things that you can do just to sort of ground yourself. And, you know, remember that connection is always the best thing. So again, I'm talking about my 14-year-old. I was in the middle of doing 100 things as usual. And he said, mom, you know, I want you to come sit next to me and, and watch me play this video game. And I'll just be honest, I didn't want to. You know, I'm not super into You're like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. I've got like a hundred things. Plus my, I have ADHD. I'm talking in a, a thousand miles a minute and thinking <laughs> a thousand miles a minute. And so I stopped like, what's more important to me right now? Is it my kids sharing something they care about with me? Is it knowing that, you know, I want him to know I care for him and his interests. I'm going to sit down. Yeah. And I sat down, even if I didn't want to, (laughs) because that connection is what is going to make the biggest difference. That's what he's going to remember. He's going to know that he can trust me to be there when he needs me. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's really what it's all about. It really is. It is. And, you know, again, I'm not sugarcoating this. This is no joke. I call it extreme parenting. Yeah, it is. Pushed to the edge. (laughs) You will be pushed to the edge. And that's kind of normal, right? In this particular world we live in, right? If you do have an ADHD kid, you're going to be pushed more than your friends who have neurotypical kids. Exactly. Right. And so the the challenge for the parents is to become them, you know, you got to master your yourself. Right. And, you know, we're just kind of their guide. They're going to have to experience. I know, you know, personally, I just want to put them in a bubble and protect them from everything. But, you know, we're I'm going to try to be the best guide that I can and support them the best way that I can um, teach them the skills that they need. Listen to them when my expectations aren't in line with what they can do at that moment. And really be open and flexible and collaborative and, again, supportive of them. And they are going to be on their own journey. We, we can't make everything exactly how we think it should be and also kind of accepting that. Yeah. Thanks, Holly. This was great. <laughs>